So Elijah had all the priests of Baal taken to the Wadi Kishon, and there had them executed with no mercy shown. And King Ahab told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done. And Jezebel vowed vengeance against Elijah. She vowed that Elijah would get the same treatment he had given to the priests of Baal. Now, on some other Sunday morning, um, perhaps it would be good to explore the theological implications of this homicidal God we see in this passage, in this text, uh, in his homicidal prophet and this Bellatrix Lestrange Queen Jezebel. Um, But this morning... I'd like us instead to hang out with old Elijah in the aftermath of all the mayhem, or perhaps in the stillness at the center of the mayhem. In any case, Elijah fled to the hills, uh, which is where we find him today, hiding in a cave, afraid of Jezebel and her promised vengeance, full of self-pity, the last righteous man. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah there in that cave, and asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah explains, he is the last zealot. His people are all unfaithful, every last one of them. They've forsaken the covenant, they've thrown down the altars, they've killed the prophets. Elijah is left alone. The unfaithful ones are seeking his life to take it away. And God tells Elijah to go out and stand on the mountain and watch as God passes by. And Elijah does what he is told. And then a mighty wind came, strong enough to rattle the mountain to its bones and send rocks skittering down the mountainside, a terrifying wind, a powerful wind, a dangerous wind. But the Lord was not in the wind. Then an earthquake came, more shaking, more rocks uprooted and sent tumbling, the whole earth moving as if it would break into great chunks and fly off into space, a terrifying earthquake, a powerful earthquake, a dangerous earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then fire came, burning everything as far as the eye could see. Every tree, every flower, every weed, everything burning and burning. Flames climbing up the mountainside. Heat scorching Elijah's skin. A terrifying fire, a powerful fire, a dangerous fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Then everything stopped. The wind, the earthquake, the fire. Everything stopped, only silence, no sound, silence, peace, stillness, calm. And the Lord was in the silence. The Lord was in the silence. Not at all where we might expect the Lord to be, not where Elijah expected the Lord to be. The Lord was in the silence. And it was as the Lord joined Elijah in the silence that the prophet was given a restored hope for the future and a renewed call to go and proclaim the good news, the Lord's word, to the people, which is a very good thing. I mean, how else would the people be confronted with their need to return if not for Elijah's voice speaking a word of repentance? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And How are they to believe in one in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? The Lord was in the silence. And so Elijah was sent, sent back to the place he had just fled, back to the people who wished him dead. The Lord was in the silence and so restored Elijah's hope and renewed Elijah's call. 
like the disciples out in the water in the middle of a storm, terrified and preparing to die. And Jesus comes walking on the lake, and Peter jumps in and then sinks. Oh, ye of little faith. And then the calming of the waves, the silence, the silence. And these words from the lips of the disciples, truly you are the Son of God. The Lord was in the silence. Last week, I invited us to develop the discipline of seeing the hand of God at work in the small things, to develop the capacity to discern the movement of God's spirit in everyday life, everyday little mundane things, to identify that movement and then to name it. In so doing, our faith is nourished. In so doing, we nourish the faith of our sisters and brothers. Our texts for this morning reveal again where God is to be found, in the silence, not in the roaring of the wind, not in the rumble of the earthquake, not in the crackle of the fire, but in the silence, in an unexpected place, a small space. The Lord is in the silence. And as Elijah and the disciples discerned that presence, their hope was restored. They would not be dying after all. Not today. The Lord was with them today in the silence. In the small gesture, the almost casual way Jesus causes the storm to cease. And with that renewed hope came strength for the journey ahead. Now the journey itself remained as perilous as it had ever been. Elijah going back down the mountain to confront his enemies with actually some bad news. The disciples picking up where they left off, walking with Jesus towards certain death. The journey was not suddenly made easier because of the Lord's presence in the silence. But something stirred in Elijah's heart, something stirred in the hearts of the disciples, something stirs in our hearts when we sense the presence of the Lord in the stillness of our hearts, in the quiet of our cave, in the calm before the storm, in the calm after the storm. Something stirs in our hearts, and that stirring stirring is hope, hope that whatever may come, we are not abandoned, hope that the future is in God's own hands. Hope in the promised redemption to come. Hope that makes it possible for us to pick up and carry on and do what God is calling us to do. And to do so with confidence. Confidence not in our strength, but in the power of God to see us safely through. And again, I invite you to develop the capacity to discern God's presence in the small things. In the silence, in the singing, in the faces of sisters and brothers. To see God's spirit at work among us in the gift of two children and the love and dedication of their parents. So take a look and see what you can see. One of the wonderful responsibilities of a worshiping community is to acknowledge and give thanks for the lively presence of the Holy Spirit within it. That means learning to recognize the Spirit's hand at work among us and to then express our gratitude publicly and with great joy. And that's what we're about this morning. Stephen and Nicole Erickson have been blessed with two beautiful children, Eastland Lily and Ref Solomon. Eastland and Lily are gifts from God and are signs of the Spirit's presence among us. Nicole and Stephen have chosen to make their home here in this congregation and with this people as a place where Eastland and Ref can grow and learn and become all that God desires them to be. And because of Stephen and Nicole's decision, we get to be witnesses to Eastland's and Ref's development 
and to accompany Nicole and Stephen as they love and guide and parent them. So, at this time, I invite Stephen, Nicole, Eastland, and Ref to join me here on the platform. Detail after and very organized. <laughs> Thirteen months after Eastland was born, Ref Solomon arrived on the scene, and things have been quite busy ever since. <laughs> His giggles, grunts, smiles, and dimples endear him to us every day. As each day passes, we are entitled to new glimpses of who these small people will become. Okay, Sarah. When reflecting on the generous gifts God has given us in the form of these two children, we've come to realize a special designation Ref and Eastland have received. That role is to be a blessing to the people they meet. When caught in the seemingly never-ending cycle of caring for small children when the house is in disarray and we are sleep-deprived, it is often tempting to begin mental calculations. Soon Ref will be eating table food and things will be easier. But there is a danger in getting stuck in this math and missing the moments of life that make up childhood. Children, for the most part, live in the moment and each moment has their potential to form their lives. We believe God has ordained a purpose for all of creation. These gifts and responsibilities are not necessarily to be grown into or put off till one feels ready, but to be practiced immediately, regardless of age or development. God has given these two children a task to be performed right now, while they are still small. God wants to use Ref and Eastland to lighten hearts heavy with burden, to give perspective to the daily grind, and to reveal the true joy of God's creation every day, anew through fresh eyes. We are glad to be able to share these little servants with all of you. We have been blessed by this community here at East Chestnut Street in many ways, whether through the generous meals following our children's births or by the encouragements of more experienced parents. We have also taken advantage of the loving arms in this room, passing children off while we visit and fellowship. We are grateful to have this community to bless and be blessed by these children. Let's see here. Why don't I just be loud and you stand this okay. <laughs> Stephen and Nicole, in accepting Eastland and, and Ref as gifts from God, do you also acknowledge your faith in Jesus Christ and accept the responsibility which God has given to you? We receive Eastland and Ref from the hand of a loving creator. With humility and hope, we accept the obligation which is ours to love, to nurture, and to leave Eastland and Ref to Christian faith by our teaching and example. With God's help and support of this congregation, we commit ourselves to being good and faithful stewards of these gifts from God. At this time, I invite the congregation to please stand and read together the words of commitment that are found in the hymnal number 791. 791. And I think the reading is in the singular when it's speaking of uh, the child. Please make that plural. Stephen and Nicole, you have offered your children to the strong and tender providence of God. 
We rejoice with you and give thanks for the gift of your children. We promise with humility and seriousness to share in your children's nurture and well-being. We will support by our example in words your efforts to provide a loving and caring home where trust in God grows and Christ's way is chosen. Our prayers will be with you and for you. May our shared life and witness help make your task both joyful and fruitful. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Correct. Well, Eastland Lily Erickson, you are known and loved by God. And may the love of God and the gracious spirit of Christ and the community of God's people bless your life. Amen. Ref Solomon Erickson, you are known and loved by God. May the love of God and the gracious spirit of Christ and the community of God's people bless your life. Amen. Let us pray. Holy One, the one who meets us in silence, the one whose presence is evident in the smallest of things, Thank you for revealing yourself to us in Eastland Lily and Ref Solomon Erickson. May the love offered to them by Nicole and Stephen remind us all of your love for us. May the joy we feel watching Eastland and Ref grow give us a taste of all the joy to come when your reign is fully known. May we look at Eastland. May we look at Ref. May we look at Stephen. May we look at Nicole and see the very face of Christ. Amen. Okay. Did you see that? Did you see the hand of God moving in that celebration? Trust me. The Spirit was with us in that small act of commitment, in those promises that we made and heard made. Did you see the Lord at work in that act of worship? And if you did, if you did, could you feel your heart leap just a little bit? Could you feel a little fluttering in your stomach? Did you want to smile? Did you want to laugh? Did you want to cry? Was your hope renewed? See, that's what happens when we pay attention. When we learn to see with our hearts as well as with our eyes. When we look for the hand of God moving in our midst. And the things we do for love of God and for each other. What happens is our hope is restored. We will not die. The future, our future, the world's future is safe in God's hands. And we can see it. We can see it. We can see it if we look hard enough. So let's try this again, okay? Take a look at this and see what you see. It is a joyful thing to welcome new members into our congregation and that is especially so when those new members are our own young adults. 
And this morning we celebrate what God is doing among us as we welcome Amy Stewart into membership through baptism. At this time, I invite Amy to come and join me up front here, and she will share with you just a brief glimpse into the journey that brought her to this place in this time. Let me first say that many moments have led to this one. And although not all of them can be recounted here, I am grateful for each. I am Amy Brenneman Stewart, and I have attended East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church for as long as I can remember, as well as my father's and his parents' church, St. Joseph's Catholic Church. Once I understood that my mother and father had decided to give me the choice of baptism, the idea of it was at the very least something in the back of my mind. After going through the baptism exploration class with Ron and other youth group members several years ago, it was especially an idea that never left me. But at that time, I felt I could not claim with integrity that I believed in God. This past year at St. John's College, my class read and discussed selections from the Summa Theologica of the great 13th century Catholic theologian, St. Thomas of Aquinas. I chose to write my annual essay on the selection titled, On Faith. In trying to answer my essay's primary question, how do we come to have faith? I attempted to determine what St. Thomas means by this process he outlines. Our will is moved by the grace of God to command our intellect to assent to the divine truth. As you can imagine, it gets rather complicated, and if you want to get more confused, I can send you my essay. (laughs) But the bottom line is that what St. Thomas wrote made some level of sense to me. It was the drop that finally caused my cup to overflow. I came to accept that there was truth beyond my grasp and taking truth to be a good thing. I wanted to believe that higher truth. My intellect backed away from its scientific objections and moved towards, it's not the whole way there, (laughs) what St. Thomas calls divine truth. I do not claim to fully understand it all, but now I feel I can state belief in God with integrity. This summer seemed the time to declare that belief, all the more so with Ron's imminent departure. In this, I see the working of the Holy Spirit and am thankful. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, Jesus said, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're here today because of Jesus' commandment and his promise. For this reason, people make the covenant of baptism with God in the church. We are witnesses to their choice and companions to it. Baptism is an act of God, of the church, and of the individual believer. 
In baptism, God gives us a good conscience and the seal of the Holy Spirit. Baptism enacts what God has already done with us, made us dead to sin and alive in Christ. God is here among us in this moment, and God's face shines upon us, warming our hearts and enlivening our spirits. As an act of the church, baptism bears witness to the faith of the individual believer and affirms the work of grace in her life. As an act of the individual person, baptism signals her voluntary surrender of the old self and the voluntary embrace of the new self, is empowered by the Spirit, and so confesses to a new birth in Christ Jesus. The questions. Amy, do you renounce the evil powers of this world and turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you put your trust in his grace and love and promise to obey him as your Lord? I do. Do you believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life? I do. Do you accept the Bible, the church's holy scripture, as guide and authority for your life? I do. Are you willing to give and receive counsel in this congregation, in the Lancaster Mennonite Conference, and in the Mennonite Church USA as you are able with God's help? I do. And are you ready to participate in the mission of this congregation of the Lancaster Mennonite Conference and of the Mennonite Church USA as you are able and with God's help? I am. your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May God baptize you with the Holy Spirit from above. Let us pray. All-loving God, grant to Amy the fullness of the Holy Spirit, a clean heart, a right spirit, and the joy of salvation. Make her grow into a woman in whom Christ is seen to live again. Release the gifts you gave her in creation and redeemed in Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Amy, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly. May your spirit and mind and body be kept sound and blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who called you, is faithful and will do it. about bursting to say something. So if you will, please turn to number 777 in the worship book. And then if you will, please stand again. 777.
Amy, this is our promise to you. As we now receive you into the fellowship of the church, we make this covenant with you as we renew our own covenant with God to bear each other's burdens, to assist in times of need, to share our gifts and possessions, to forgive as Christ has forgiven us, to support each other in joy and sorrow, and in all things to work for the common good, thus making known Christ's presence among us to the glory of God. As we unite with each other now, may we all be joined with Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. How about that time? What did you see? If you saw the Spirit of God moving among us and Amy's commitment to Christ and the church, can I trouble you for a little amen? Amen. See? That's what I mean. First, we learn to see God's hand at work among us. And first, we learn to discern the presence of the Lord in the silence and the small and the faces of our sisters and brothers. And then we practice saying amen. We practice saying out loud what we have just seen. We don't stop at the seeing. We see and we speak. We proclaim. We bear witness. And when we do, our hope is restored. Our hope is renewed. And we find the strength to carry on, to keep on following after Jesus. The journey is just as hard as it ever was, but the miracle of hope is that it changes us, makes us better fit to keep on walking. Even though the journey does not get any easier, that's what hope is. Does. It tells us we will not die. The future, our future, the world's future is safe in God's hands. And we can see it. We can see it. We can see it if we look hard enough. Well, third time's the charm, or so they say. So, let's do it again. Keep your eyes peeled, sisters and brothers. Keep your hearts open, too. And let's see what we can see. As followers of Jesus, we long for those occasions when the hand of God is readily apparent, when the activity of the Holy Spirit is unmistakably happening right before our eyes. And sisters and brothers, this is one such occasion. When we welcome new members into our congregation, we acknowledge that they are a gift from God and a sign of the Spirit's lively presence among us. We are a blessed community. And today we give thanks that our community is alive and well and under the loving care of the God who called us into being. Today we welcome Will Maxey and Heidi Beth Word into membership. And I've asked them to provide a brief testimony to you this morning. So, sisters and brothers, please come and tell us what brings you to this place today. We're very glad to be here, and this is something we should have done about eight years ago when we first started coming here from Bethel Mennonite because uh, Bethel was closing its doors and ceasing to exist as a Mennonite church. East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church has been a, a perfect, perfect fit for our family. Yeah, it's been a perfect fit for our family for many reasons. Um, predominantly... At first, it was because of Ron and Mary Lou and your family. 
we we are glad to make this public commitment and want to thank you for this opportunity to do so. Well, Will and Heidi Beth, we rejoice in your decision to become members of this congregation in full covenant relationship with the believers who worship and serve God in this place. Do you now reaffirm your faith in and commitment to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Do you accept the word of God as guide and authority for your lives? Are you willing to give and receive counsel in the congregation? Are you willing to participate in the mission of the congregation and to support that mission with your attendance, your giving, and the offering of your best selves to that end? Number 794 in the hymnal. These persons now presented to you have witnessed to their faith in Jesus Christ and offer themselves in companions, as companions in our obedience to Christ. It is our privilege and joy to welcome them into our family of faith. We open ourselves to fellowship with you in worship, study, service, and discipline. We pledge our willingness to give and receive counsel, to offer and accept forgiveness in the redeemed community. We joyfully accept you as partners, both in the care of our spiritual family and in our mission to the world. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks this morning for Heidi, Beth, and Will. We thank you for calling them to this place, to this community, and for blessing us so well by their presence among us. We are grateful to you for this commitment we have made together, and we pray that you will help all of us to be faithful in keeping that commitment. May this coming together make for a stronger, more faithful community of saints. May we bless Heidi, Beth, and Will as they in turn bless us. May we welcome their gifts and offer them our gifts in turn. May this joining be a source of growth, joy, peace, and hope as we travel from this point together. We give you thanks for making yourself known to us in this service of membership. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one last time. What did you see? Did you see two kind, loving, and generous people make a commitment to this congregation? Sure you did. Did you see anything more than that? As wonderful as it is, did you see anything more? Again, if you saw the Spirit of God moving among us as we joined ourselves to Heidi, Beth, and Will, and they joined themselves to us, can I trouble you for another amen? Amen. How about an, another amen? amen? That's it. See, like so many other things, this learning to see God's Spirit present among us is in even the smallest of things, and this learning to tell each other what we've just seen, it gets easier with practice. 
we get better at seeing, or, or maybe we just get better at remembering to look in the first place. Either way, we develop the capacity to see beneath the surface of things, to hear below the silence, and so detect the presence of God moving among us. And as we do, we develop the habit of telling each other what we've seen. And we develop the grace to actually listen to each other when we say such outlandish things as, I saw the Holy Spirit this morning in the love and dedication of Stephen and Nicole for Eastland Lily and Ref Solomon. I believe God was present with us as we watched Amy Stewart bow down in worship and be drenched with the waters of baptism. I believe God was close to us as Will and Heidi Beth made their promises to us and we made ours to them. See? It's not that hard to say. And it's not so hard to see either. It just takes practice. I've said this to you before and I'll say it again before I go. It's here in the congregation that we learn how to be Christians. It's here that we practice such abnormal things as loving our enemies and speaking the truth in love and praying for each other and wishing each other well and speaking only those things that build up, not to mention things like patience and gentleness and meekness and kindness and all of those other impossible things that we've been called to. It's here in this setting that we practice becoming like Jesus. We practice in here so that we can go out there and show others what it is to follow Jesus. Well, it's in here, in this community, that we learn how to recognize God's presence all around us. In the silence, in the small places, in the littlest and the weakest and the lowliest of us all, we develop that capacity in here. And we learn how to say what we've seen in here. And our hope is restored. We will not die. And so we have what we need to go back down the mountain. We have what we need to get out of the boat and start following again. Equipped now to see that same spirit at work in the world around us. Equipped now to tell the world, to show the world what it is that we see. That the future, our future, the world's future is safe in God's hands. That the Lord is present here and now. We are not bereft. We are not abandoned. We are not alone. The future, our future, the world's future is safe in God's hands. Now, how do we know that? We know it because we've seen it with our very own eyes. Amen? Amen. Amen.